Today I want to talk about one of the suttas where the Buddha offers a teaching to his son, Rahula. And this is from the Majjhima Nikaya. And uh, uh, it's said that Rahula was about seven at the time of this teaching, and he was a novice monk. If you remember the story of the Buddha uh, when he was uh, Siddhartha Gautama, and he left his family, he left his wife and a um, very small baby, to go seek enlightenment and he did return home and his son took the robes and so he was a novice monk at this time and this teaching is in response to Rahula telling a lie and although the sutta is short it's a powerful indictment of lying and as is so often the case in Buddhist teachings, it's not just one side, but on the other side, it stresses how important honesty and truthfulness are. And as I said, it's, it's, one, it's not a long sutta, but it has a very famous line. And the line is, when one is not ashamed to tell a deliberate lie, there is no evil that one would not do. So you think about that. If you're not afraid to lie then what else wouldn't you do? Because a lie is, it can seem like a very simple thing, but it's a deliberate delusion. It's a deliberate separation from reality. And this practice, insight practice, this seeing clearly practice is, is the practice of being fully in touch with reality. So a lie puts a wedge between you and reality. And works to works to uh, uh, obfuscate other people's view of reality too. You make it impossible for others to see what's really happening if you're lying or or um, not telling the truth in some way, shape, or form. So whoever is um, when one is not ashamed to tell a deliberate lie, there is no evil that one would not do. As I said, it's quite an indictment. And truthfulness and honesty are extremely important in the Buddhist teachings. It's wise speech. Uh, one of the primary pieces of wise speech is truthfulness is honesty. Is what you're going to say true? Wise speech is one of the factors in the Eightfold Path. Wise speech, all on its own. It's part of the um, ethical sila section of the Eightfold Path. But it's it's important for... A, moving towards enlightenment, moving towards liberation when we're totally willing to be truthful and honest and have our eyes wide open as we work with the world and um, helps us to be in harmony with others. And um, it's also a precept, um, you know, being, why, uh, being truthful in our speech and that that precept of the five, there are five precepts, which are how we are supposed to behave in the world, especially lay people. Monastics have more precepts that they have to follow, but these five are the basic, you know, not to kill, not to take what's not offered, to be wise with our sexuality, to be truthful in our speech, um, and to not take, ingest anything that leads to heedlessness. Um, so... Honesty, truthfulness is a precept, and it's also one of the paramis, which are these qualities that are considered necessary for liberation. So you can see it's very important, and it's important because it does 
keep us separated from truth, keeps us and others separated from truth. So in this sutta, the Buddha tells Rahula he should train himself to avoid saying anything false, even as a joke, which is quite a tall order because we joke a lot, we exaggerate, we embellish. All that is um, stepping away from reality. It's creating a, a scenario that's not necessarily true or creating a story that is not really perfectly aligned with the way it is. So to be very diligent in how we, um, how we move through the world with our speech, with our communication, I'm, I probably will say speech most of the time because it's easier, but it's how we communicate. There's so many more ways to communicate today than there were in the Buddhist time. You know, there's there's writing, there's social media, texting, all those things. There's, there's you know, vast amounts of ways to communicate with others. And also through um, body language. We can communicate through body language too. So to be really thoughtful in how we um how we, how we operate, how we can connect with others. And so to really train ourselves, and Buddha says what we need to do is to reflect whenever we, um, whenever we speak, whenever we act, and even reflect on our thinking, really paying attention to the thoughts that we give energy to. And we do that three, this reflection three times before we speak, before we act, before, while we're, before we're thinking, before we really go down that, that path of thinking, reflect on whether it will lead to suffering, whether it will lead to discomfort for ourselves, for others, or for both, for all. Is what I'm going to do, what I'm going to say, is this wise, is this wholesome, is this beneficial, or is it going to cause harm? Will there, be, will there be painful consequences? So we want to recognize whether it's, whether it's harmful or whether it's beneficial. And obviously, if it's harmful, we walk away from that. If it's going to cause disharmony, dissent, um, painful consequences, we walk away from that. And I'll speak a little bit more about this um, in a bit when I talk a little bit more about why speech. And then we also reflect on the same thing as we're doing it. As I'm speaking, oh, is this, is this wise? Is this skillful? Is this beneficial? Or is this harmful? Am I telling a lie? Because sometimes we don't, we react so suddenly and somebody asks us a question, we just react by lying or embellishing or exaggerating. So we don't have the, we don't have the forethought but when we're in the middle of it, we can recognize having that awareness. Is this wholesome and beneficial for me, for others, for both, or not? And then finally, we reflect after the fact, what was that I said? What was that I did? What was that thinking all about? Where did I go with that? So it really invites us to be present, to investigate, to have curiosity. There's, again, this whole practice is, un mindfulness underlies this whole practice. It's the foundation. We have to bring mindfulness to our speech. 
We have to bring mindfulness to our communication. It's so important and so necessary for honesty and truthfulness. And we have to recognize that lying, untruthfulness, um, exaggeration, embellishment, all these things, they are, it's especially harmful because it does get in the way of reality. And oftentimes it's, um, lying is just the surface. We have to look at what might be underlying. What's, what's beneath the lie? What's driving the lie? Especially in today's world, there's so much misinformation, so much intentional, um, intentionality in, in what people say to have them believe something that isn't true. I mean, you can see it all the time. Uh, you know things are not true. The sky is blue and people will say the sky is green. I mean, <laughs> I, I think I used this example a couple of weeks ago or recently, but I remember years ago, and you can see it all the time now, you'll have some political, some political figure um, say something, and it's obviously recorded because 95% of what they say is, is taped or recorded. And then they'll be called on it and they'll say, I didn't say that. So they're lying. And then you go, well, here's actually what you said. So you did say it. And they're like, no, I didn't. So there's this gaslighting and there's this outright lying, this, this rationalization. That's part of it, too. You have to really recognize that. But what's driving a lot of that is, is craving for power, greed, hatred, aversion, there's so much of that, and you can trace that going back thousands and thousands and thousands of years. This is nothing new under the sun. It's just that, again, there's so many more avenues which, which to deceive people for the, your own ends. And so to be cautious on what you're listening to. This kind of reminds me of the Kalama Sutta, when the Buddha, um, when he was um, visiting this village and all the people came out to him and said, um, a wise one, every week a different sage comes through and tells us his philosophy and says, don't believe the others, they're all, they're all full of crap, only believe what I tell you. So what you and then they say, so what's your, what's your story? What are you telling us? And the Buddha said, don't believe it just because someone says it. Don't believe it because it's a long tradition. Don't believe it just because the person is, is highly esteemed. But see for yourself what causes harm. See for yourself what walks you towards um, suffering, towards discomfort, or away from it. Again, there's this investigation, this curiosity, this, this seeking out of wisdom, this seeking out of how to live in a non-harming way. We do the same thing with what we're hearing from others, what we're reading from others. What's really going on here? What's underneath? It's so important to recognize what's underneath it. And we do that with ourselves too. We have to be um, willing to investigate our own um, intentions. What's underneath our uh, drive to say things that might not be true, to exaggerate, to embellish, to paint a picture of ourselves that is not necessarily 
again, connected to reality. Um, a lot of times there's emotions under there. There's fear. I know most of the time I lied and I just I used to lie a lot. Not great, massive lies, but um, just to get out of stuff. I was, I somewhere there was deep down inside, there was fear of like, oh, if they know the truth and I'm in trouble, even when there was nothing to indicate that there was any trouble that I would to get into, it was just fear-based reactivity. And so <laughs> what drives us? Because a lot of this, this is karma. The, the more we lie, and if you can, you can see it this way, um, the more we lie, oftentimes the more we have to lie to make up for the lie we told or to keep that story going or to not let any holes in or to not make sure no one sees what's, what's really the story. We just have to keep these fabrications expanding and growing. And so it just leads to more and more and more discomfort, more and more uh, deep falling into this pit. And so we have to pay attention um, and watch where we're going. We may think it's a simple thing, but it's not really. And so um, when we reflect, the Buddha says that, um, to, the Buddha said to reflect before, during, and after. And the teaching around wise speech helps this reflection because there's a, you're probably all familiar with the five, five uh, pieces of wise speech. First of all, is it true? Is what I'm saying true? That, that's the ultimate thing. Um, the second thing, or the next thing, is it necessary? That is so important. Is it necessary? Oftentimes what we want to say is not necessary. Oftentimes the lie, the exaggeration, the embellishment, is it necessary? What are we trying to prove? What are we trying to get out of this? What's driving that embellishment? What's driving the need to say something? Is it the right time? Again, that is, is important to recognize because you might need to say it. It might be necessary. It might be true, but it might not be the right time. So to be willing to pause and, and wait Till it is the right time. And are you saying it kindly? Because you can say the truth, it's necessary, it's the right time, but saying it, say it in a way that's harsh. And that's not what this is about. This is not a nerny, nerny, nerny kind of thing. And what's your ultimate intention? What's the intention underneath all of this? That's key as well. So these are, these are the, the things you want to um, reflect on. And... Um, I earlier I was talking about painful consequences of reflecting on whether there will be painful consequences of what you have to say and I think this is a very important point to make because often in Buddhist communities there is this especially in western convert white Buddhist communities there's this idea that oh we can't say, we have to just all get along, we have to be agreeable, and we can't say anything that other folks won't like. Um, that's not wise speech. That's not what wise speech is. Wise speech is being honest, is being truthful, and saying what needs to be said. 
it doesn't mean we just oh tiptoe around things because other people may not like it. No, we have to absolutely say what needs to be said. Um, we have to reflect honestly and, and recognize that some things might be disagreeable or difficult for other people to hear. It doesn't mean it's harmful. You know, I can be told something that I don't want to hear, but it's the truth. I can be told that my behavior is out of line. I don't want to hear that. I want to be perfect. I want everybody to like me. But somebody may have to tell me that, you know, perhaps I'm not doing things right. Oh, I don't want to hear that. Or when in a relationship that breaks up. That's so hard to hear. It's so painful, oftentimes. But it needs to be said. You can't stay in a relationship just because you don't want to say something difficult. There is a... I was reading... Um, um, the uh, Introduction to Buddhist Ethics about this. It's a book by Peter Harvey. And they were talking about, there's a tradition in uh, a lineage where they did not tell terminally ill people that they were dying because there was a tremendous focus on compassion in this lineage. And they thought that it was not compassion, excuse me, it was not compassionate to tell the person that they were dying. So, again, this is where the Kalama Sutta comes in. I think it's this admonition by the Buddha is to see for yourself, is this beneficial? Or is this kind of just maybe not being skillful with your compassion? And I, uh, I know there was a time in the United States, it's, it's much different now, but I think sometimes um, it still happens that... Doctors uh, did not tell patients that they were going to die. And Ram Das wrote about this in an essay I read years ago. He talked about his grandmother who was in the hospital and she was obviously dying. She did not have much time left, but nobody said a word. The family, the medical staff, and he said, this is ridiculous. So he went in when she was alone and he talked to her about dying. And he said she was so grateful to finally have somebody acknowledge the reality that she was experiencing. So even in this, there's a denial of reality. If you won't tell a person that they're, that they're terminally ill, you're denying the reality that they are actually experiencing and perhaps taking away some opportunity for them to connect in ways that they need to uh, connect in or to be present for their experience. We cannot get in the way of other people having their experience, even if we even if it's unpleasant. That's why in practice we read in sitting meditation, we really learn to sit with the discomfort. It's not all about pleasure. It's about being real. It's about being present for whatever is happening. So truthfulness and necessity don't always equal happy, you know, happy, happy, joy, joy. Sometimes it's sorrow. Sometimes it's grief. Are you going to tell somebody something, you know, someone, their, their friend died or not tell them? Because you don't want it to be, it's, you don't feel it's compassionate. So you know what I'm saying. 
really important to recognize it's the the broad scope of this why speech is is necessary speech it's truthful speech it's not harsh it's not shaming it's not judging it's not sarcastic it's wise and kind and skillful and we reflect on it because we and we don't want to go down the path of lying because we want to make sure we're not getting in between us and reality. So we have the power to choose. That's, again, what's so beautiful about the, the Buddhist teachings. It was quite a break from what was very common in his day where, you know, <coughs> people did often didn't have the power to choose. There was... Um, Generally, it was thought that happiness or unhappiness or how how you ended up was either predetermined, so it was fate and there's nothing you could do, or it was controlled by the gods, so you needed to appease the gods, or it was just indeterminate and random, which is, I think, almost just as bad as predetermined because it's random as far as I know. So recognizing that we actually do have the power to choose, we have the ability to act in ways that will take us towards freedom um, and honesty, truthfulness, are foundational for this. So I invite you to um, reflect on those ways where you still step on your toes, your own toes. I do too. I still do. I still have that drive to um, have everyone see me, you know, in a certain way. And so I find that the... the the tendency, the deep conditioning, it's like really deep, some of this conditioning to, you know, make it look like, oh, I'm X, Y, Z, instead of really owning who I am. All those warts. And most of the time, the embellishments are like, why? It's so unnecessary. So to watch that, I think asking that question, is this even necessary? So thank you, thank you, thank you, my friends, for your lovely, kind attention. I'm always so appreciative of being with you and sharing the Dharma, and um, I hope this has been of some benefit. Thank you for visiting Undefended Dharma. These teachings are freely offered. However, if you would like to make a donation to help support the technology that makes these podcasts possible, please visit marystankavich.org backslash support. Thank you.